Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. I'm excited to get into another episode of the Bible Centered Podcast as we have been uh, digging deep into the Word of God. There are so many things that uh, we take for granted in the Word that we hear all the time that are commonplace where we don't understand the underlying significance and what it means to us. One of the most profound scriptures are is the first scripture in the Bible, the first two scriptures. And people kind of pass over it in their Bible plans. Uh, it's very quick. Um, and they don't understand what God is trying to communicate uh, to his people from the first two scriptures. I would argue that the entire Bible hinges on these first two scriptures because we get to see the transcendent nature of God and his transcendent majesty and why it's worth getting into relationship with him. Let's read it, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. People read this scripture, and they sometimes subconsciously, we think it's just a great way to start a book. Uh, as they do in fairy tales or um, fables or fictional tales. It always begins with once upon a time. Uh, but there's nothing uh, fictional about these first two verses. God was intent on how he wanted this God-inspired book to begin as he inspired Moses to pen these words, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Num num number one, when you look at this scripture, it's really, these are uh, warfare terms uh, that are subtle in the text when you consider uh, Moses' ancient Near Eastern background. And it's inspirational when you really understand this, very inspirational to all of us, because in the ancient Near Eastern custom, everything around Moses was uh, polytheism, multiple gods. People worshiped multiple gods and they worshiped gods that, that you could see these false gods, these, uh, polytheistic religions all around Moses. The concept of a monotheistic religion, the concept of worshiping one God was foreign in Moses time. Uh, the first religion in the world that ever presented the concept of worshiping one God is Judaism. To this day, there's only three uh, major religions that only worship one God, and that is Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. But the concept of worshiping one God was foreign. Everyone during Moses' time was worshiping one or two things. They're either worshiping something in the heavens or they're worshiping something in the earth. They are worshiping the heavens 
and the earth. They're worshiping the sun god, Ra, the moon god. They're worshiping the star god. They're worshiping the galaxies. They're worshiping uh, the earth, the grass, uh, the cow. Uh, They're worshiping the birds. They're worshiping the crocodile. They're worshiping the heavens and the earth. So God gets it out of the way in the first scripture in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In other words, what you are worshiping, I created that. And this is powerful because he is presenting to them that there's only one God and that this God created everything. Therefore, he deserves our worship and our praise. That's why everything that hath breath is commanded to praise ye the Lord. Why is everything praising him? Because they praise him as creator. And so he creates the heaven and the earth, and he shows his supremacy over all the false gods that Moses is surrounded by. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, And later we see that he says that These are the generations of the heaven and earth in Genesis 2. And that's powerful because the book of Genesis is the book of generations. And so he personifies the heaven and earth and says, let me show you how the earth was born, how the heaven and earth was born. Let me show you their generations. Let me show you how they brought forth what they brought forth. He brings them back to its beginning, but God said, you can't bring me back to my beginning because I'm eternal. I am before time. I am before all of this. God assumes himself. Moses doesn't give God's backdrop, but he gives all the false gods of the world their beginning, and and it's profound. But what can we draw from this? Because when God is mentioned, he's mentioned by a Hebrew word, Elohim, which means the transcendent, transcendent nature, transcendent majesty, uh, a plurality of attributes, Uh, that God has so many attributes that you can't even uh, describe, that our human consciousness can't even fully describe him. All of our words come up short. When we praise God and say, God, you're awesome, he's like, like, you're not even close. Uh, But I'll receive that praise, although it's falling short of what I really am. It's, it's, It's baffling for me to even think about that we can praise him in a language that he, that he created. That, that our words fall short, but yet he still receives our praise because out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. That, that uh, he's so majestic, so transcendent, and that he is the creator. And none of us have that type of power where we can create things with our words as he can. He, he speaks and galaxies and universes are created. You know, we we speak and we just agitate somebody. (laughs) Amen. We don't have the same power uh, that he has. But it's amazing to me the material that God wants to use to bring the world into existence. And the Bible says in verse 2 that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, it's interesting that he doesn't say that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, but the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Notice he doesn't say but, he says and, 
and is a conjunction, meaning that the Spirit of God moved with the void, moved with the chaos, moved with the darkness, that, that he actually used these things as the raw material to bring about a new beginning. Oh, I'm excited about this because this is so relatable to us as we see the majesty of God and his beauty. It says that the earth was without form and void. There were two things in the ancient Near Eastern custom that people were afraid of, that they felt that chaos and emptiness, that they were antagonists to their false gods, that whatever their false god was trying to accomplish, that the two antagonists that was working against their false god was chaos and emptiness. In the ancient Near East, they, they hated the concept of chaos and emptiness because they, they felt that it was destructive. They were afraid of the void. They were afraid of the chaos. And they knew that these two things were antagonists to the will of their false gods, that it was antagonist to, to the intention of what their God was trying to do. But notice what God does in the text is that he does not present chaos and emptiness as antagonists to his will. He presents them not as enemies. He presents them as servants. That is profound because he says, there's no amount of chaos and no amount of emptiness that can stop me from moving. There's no amount of chaos, no amount of emptiness that can stop my plan from coming to pass, that I can actually use the chaos to bend chaos to my will into my vantage point to bring about a new beginning, that I can use the emptiness, the void, to open the windows of heaven and bring about a transformation in your life. This is so inspirational. You see underlying in the most simple verses of scripture, we see a transformative power that God has to be able to use what can and otherwise try to destroy us to actually use it to transform us and to develop us. I'm so thankful that God is willing to move in the chaos, that God is not waiting for things to be perfect to move in my life that God is not waiting for me to have all my ducks in a row to cross all the T's and dot I, all the I's for him to do a miracle in our life. I'm so thankful that God doesn't wait for me to have my prayer life together before he gives me a miracle. I'm so thankful that he's able to move under chaotic conditions. While the world was in an uproar during covid uh, the past few years and all the chaos that was ensuing on the world, I'm so thankful that it didn't stop God from moving and performing miracles in people's lives. I want to encourage somebody that's listening right now. No matter how chaotic it's been in your life, God wants to move right there. He doesn't wait till you have it all together. He doesn't wait till, till you get your prayer life together, you get your worship together, you get your faithfulness together. God is willing to move in the chaos and bring about a miracle and move in a mighty way in your life. 
He likes moving in chaos. Why? Because he knows in the chaos, that's where he's going to get glory. Notice that when we think we have it all together, we don't give a God a lot of credit. Uh, we pat ourselves on the back. Uh, we, we, we think we're this. We think we're that. Uh, uh, but there's something about chaos that, that push us, pushes us into a dependency upon him. And when he pushes us into that dependency upon him, that, that when he moves and brings about the miracle, we know it can only be a God thing because there's something about humanity that loves to be in control. Oh, we love control. Some of us are the worst passenger drivers ever. That we are in the passenger seat, yet we're barking instructions to the driver. Go left, turn right, slow down, speed up. Hey, hold on. Hey, hold on. Why? Because we feel, here it is, that if we're in control, we're safer. Oh, my Lord. So God knows how to use chaos to show us our humanity. He knows how to use chaos to show us our vulnerability, that we are but dust and ashes, and he alone is God. It's amazing that Adam, that God got more glory out of Adam's life when things were out of his control than when things were in his control. Think about it. Adam, he's made in the image of God. He's blessed by God. He has an assignment from God. And God puts him in a deep sleep and he's unconscious. He has no idea what's going on. And God makes, pulls a rib out of his body, makes a woman out of the rib. And Adam had no idea what was going on. Yet in the time that Adam had no idea what was going on, God was making a masterpiece that Adam would be thankful for. What if I told you sometimes the chaos will come to our in our lives to highlight his majesty and his willingness to make something beautiful even when we don't know what's going on. And God got more glory out of his life in the chaos than when things were under his control. I'm so thankful that God can move in the chaos and he makes the earth in the middle of this chaos. And then the void, the emptiness. God is not intimidated by emptiness. When God sees emptiness, he sees an opportunity. When God sees emptiness, he sees potential for a miracle. Something that's interesting about the word empty is that you, you cannot think about the word empty subconsciously without also thinking about the word full. Empty cannot exist without full and full cannot exist without empty. They are interconnected. They are forever connected to one another. And if I were to say that, man, this place is empty, the first thing that comes to your mind is, well, why wasn't it full? And if I say, well, this place is full, the first thing you're going to think is, well, I'm so glad it's not empty. It, it's connected. So there's something about emptiness that is an invitation for God to do something. It makes me think about in John 2, whenever Mary comes to Jesus and she wants him to do a miracle because there's no more wine at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And he says, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour 
is not yet come. Um, Yes, we want to follow Jesus, but I'm going to encourage our listeners, please do not ever call your mama woman, especially if it's in the South. Uh, You might get in trouble. Only Jesus could get away with calling his mama woman. I don't think I could get away with calling my mama woman. But he says, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. And Mary turns around and tells the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And Jesus had no intention on doing a miracle that day. But the Bible says that he found some empty water pots. I I love what it says here, that there was set there, John 2 and 6, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. See, Jesus had no intention on working a miracle, but when his eyes found something empty, he said, I got to do something. I, I got Because when I see emptiness, I see an invitation. Anytime in your life that you feel empty, that you feel like there is a void, that you are missing something, you better get ready because it means that God's about to do something. It means that God's about to feel something. It's an, it's an invitation. It's a sign that there is a feeling that is closed. And when his eyes caught the empty water pots, he said, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And those, that, that water, each time they drew out the water, it became wine. And this is amazing because it started, the miracle started with empty water pots. I'm so thankful that God can move in the emptiness. On the cross, the Bible says that Jesus gave up the ghosts, meaning that the, the spirit that was in them on the, in him on the cross, it was given up. And so there he was, an empty body on a cross. And that empty body was placed in an empty tomb. It was placed in a tomb, and the tomb was empty. Oh, my word. And it was the raw material for a resurrection. Anytime there's emptiness, there's the potential of a resurrection. Anytime there's a void, there's a potential for a new opportunity, an unexpected beginning, a miracle. I've come to encourage somebody listening. If you've been in chaos or if you've been in the if you've been in the void, if you felt empty, it's time to start rejoicing because God is getting a master plan together. He's about to do a new thing in your world and in your life. Look at this. Look at what we got from the Bible just by unraveling the intention of the first two scriptures. And through these first two scriptures, you get to see the majestic nature of God, how God can do a whole lot of something with nothing. The writer in Job said it this way, that he hung the world up on nothing. The earth is still standing on nothing. Oh my word. If all you have is nothing, get ready. A miracle's about to happen because that's all God needs to do a miracle. All he needs is nothing. You say, well, I've got nothing to offer. Well, you're exactly what God's looking for. The power of God is able to move even when there's nothing. 
This is, this is remarkable to me. The earth was without form, chaos. There was a void, powerful. Listen, and the Bible says that darkness was upon the face of the deep. Three things that God used to transform everything and to bring about creation. He used the chaos. He used the emptiness. And he used the darkness. And that darkness was the face of the deep. The deep is speaking of the waters. But this is interesting because the darkness was on the face, what was upon the face of the deep. Can I tell someone listening that darkness is the face of the deep? Anytime God's about to take you to the next level, darkness is the first thing you'll see. I'm going to minister to somebody listening right now. Darkness was the face of the deep. Darkness is the face of your next level. It's the face of the depth. See, people get encouraged because get discouraged because they are praying, they are seeking after God, and they feel a hunger in their heart and they start going after it. And the first thing they encounter is darkness. And when they encounter darkness, they get discouraged. They feel like, oh, what did I do wrong? Am I, am I in sin? Uh, am I not praying good enough? Am I, uh, I, what is wrong with me? No, it's a sign you're making progress. It's a sign you're going forward. It's not a sign that you're backsliding. Darkness is the first thing you will see when God's about to do a miracle. Oh, my word. Look what happened on the cross. Darkness covered the land. Look what happened before the children of Israel were delivered. Darkness came. Look what happened before God made a covenant with Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham had to draw near to the great darkness. God was in the darkness. Don't ever let anybody convince you that God can't move even in the dark. Who am I talking to that's been in a dark place? Who am I talking to that have suffered loss during COVID? Who am I talking to that have gone through a divorce? Who am I talking to that's been abused as a child? Who am I talking to that, is, that has gone through so many things in your life and in your world and you've been in so much darkness that you feel like it's impenetrable, that you don't believe that God can even move? But I'm come to talk to you that God is willing to move in the darkness and bring about a miracle even from the dark place. We have been fed lies that God can't move in the darkness. People are afraid of the dark, but it's in the darkness that God cultivates the depths and shows you the depths of himself. Look at it in Psalms chapter 18, verse 11. Psalms chapter 18, verse 11. Look what he says. It says, that he made darkness his secret place. Oh, my. See, everyone wants to go into the secret place, but anytime they see darkness, they turn around and run away. But darkness is his secret place. Everyone wants to be in the secret place, but in the secret place, many times, there's going to be darkness. Go to Psalm chapter 91 and verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a bright shadow. 
As a matter of fact, a shadow is dark. But he said, but my secret place is my shadow. Oh, my. Oh, my. He said, my secret place is my shadow. The word shadow in the Hebrew, it literally means to be a fortress, a place of protection where, where when the enemy's after you, God will bring you in the darkness. Here it is, to protect you. See, your darkness isn't always for your destruction. God can use it for your protection. When hell's running after you and it's hot on your trail, God brings you into his bosom, which may be a dark place, but it's for your protection and to develop you. A lot of people are afraid of the dark, therefore they're afraid of growth. I'm talking to someone listening right now that God is cultivating you in your dark place. That God is cultivating you and that place of hurt. That no matter what darkness has come upon your life, God can move in the middle of it and bring you into closer relationship with him. The darkness is his secret place according to the scriptures. You see what the scriptures do? It, it forces you to wrestle with making sense of what it means, that we put our traditions, that we put our presuppositions, that we put our preconceived ideas, that we put our background, we put it under the text to submit to the text to find out what it means. And when we do that, we discover an amazing God who does all things well. Oh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful book. The darkness is a secret place. See, anytime you're about to go deep, the first thing you'll encounter is just darkness. But you see, if you notice humanity, we know more about space than we do the ocean. I want you to think about that. We know more about space than we do the ocean. We only know 10% of the ocean. We know more about space than we do the ocean. Matter of fact, we have more equipment to bring a man to space than we have equipment to go to the depths. Why? Uh, one thing is there's more lights up there than there is down there. Oh, my. There's more light in space than there is in the ocean. There are parts of the ocean that the sun, the moon, the stars has never shined on, that it's always been dark. That's why we rather go high than go deep. We rather a great clap on Sunday, a great shout on Sunday than go deep because in the depths, there's going to be some darkness. Some of the greatest times of growth in my life was when I went through a dark place. But in that dark place, I developed a relationship with God that was cultivated, that grew, that was profound. Don't be afraid of the dark. Our eyes, if you walk into a place, a sanctuary, and all the lights are on and everyone turns the lights off, it's going to be pitch black for a moment. But your pupils, the cornea, the iris, your eyes are made to find light in darkness. Oh, my. That if they turn off the light in the sanctuary, immediately it's pitch black 
But over time, your eyes start extracting light. It starts extracting light from from under uh, the nooks and crannies, under the under the doors. And all of a sudden, now you can see, here it is, in the dark. There's something about the darkness that makes you more appreciative for the little light in your life. There's something about the darkness, here it is, that teaches us gratefulness. And what we see in these first two verses is this Elohim, this transcendent, this this majestic God that is so great, so profound, that he can move in spite of chaos, that he can move in spite of the void, that he can move in spite of the darkness and he can thrive in it. What is it teaching us about him? His introduction is that no matter how chaotic your life is, I can do a miracle. No matter how empty you feel, I can do a miracle. No matter how dark your life has been, it cannot prevent God from coming where you are. As a matter of fact, before Jesus could be the light of the world, he first had to go in the darkness of a womb. Oh my, did you hear what I just said? Before he could be the light of the world to us, he first had to go into the darkness of a womb. Before we could see his resurrection, he first had to go to the darkness of a tomb. He thrives in the dark. Anytime you see these three things, God's about to do something great. You're about to stumble upon a miracle. And another scripture that I want to show you before I close this today is in Genesis The book of Genesis is a powerful book. I'm going to be breaking down the book of Genesis to you soon. But I want you to think about this, how God thrives. This is what this message is about today, about how God uses unusual things to display his glory. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This is amazing because God is about to make the crown of his creation, mankind. He's about to make the crown of his creation, mankind. And it's amazing the substance that God wanted to use to make this man. He paces to and fro across the earth and he passes the lilacs, the lilies. He passes the dandelions. He passes the roses. He passes the tulips. He passes the all of these incredible, beautiful creations that he's made. And he stumbles upon a piece of dirt. And he says, this is perfect. I can make a man out of this. The dirt, in the dirt he saw potential. What you're looking at as a mistake and a failure and, and so insignificant, God says, I see potential. I, I, I can make a man of God out of that. But, but, but I came from a, a tough background. My, my, my parents did this. I did this in my past. I, I can make something out of the dirt. 
but 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 what I've been through, I, I, I've been divorced three times. I, uh, my kids are going going crazy. I don't feel like I have a ministry. I, 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 I don't speak well. I have an impediment. And God looks at the dirt and says, I can make something out of it if you let me. He makes man out of the dirt, out of the dust of the ground, that, that God would be willing to not only move in the void, move in the chaos, move in the darkness, but he's really willing to make something out of my dirt? What a God we serve. The majestic nature of God. He makes man from the dust of the ground. He makes man out of this common element that we dust off of our feet when we go into homes. But isn't it amazing what we dust off? God says, oh my goodness, I can use that. I can use that. He forms man from the dirt. And we see in Genesis 1 and 2 God's willingness to use things that we don't think he can use. Things that we're trying to get rid of. Things that we're trying to forget about. Things that God wants to use as a testimony. That God wants to use so he can get glory. What is... Amazing about this is that astronauts can see the earth from space. And when they see the earth every year, they can see billions of dust particles come from the Sahara Desert. And this dust in the Sahara Desert, there's this dirt in the Sahara Desert every year, billions of tons of of dirt particles, dust, leaves the Sahara Desert. The wind picks up this dirt, and it brings the dirt 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean. 3,000 miles across the Earth ocean, and this dirt from the Sahara Desert, the wind drops off this dirt into the Amazon rainforest the Amazon basin travels 3,000 miles and that Amazon rainforest cannot survive without the dirt from the Sahara Desert in Africa. That the dirt had micronutrients that helps the plants to grow and to thrive. The wind picks up the dirt and brings it to the best place that it can grow and produce. What is the principle here? If you feel like dirt, if you have dirt in your life, all you have to do is yield it to the wind. And the wind is going to find the best place to produce something out of the dirt in your life. When your life feels like dirt, when you feel like you have nothing to offer, there's something about yielding to the presence of God. And the spirit, it's a Hebrew word that they use for breath and wind. In Acts 2, they call it a rushing mighty wind. All you have to do is yield to the spirit and the spirit will find the perfect place where you can produce and be productive. He'll move you into a gift. He'll move you into a location. He'll use the dirt. I'm so thankful that God still uses dirt. 
I'm so thankful that God moves in the midst of the dirtiness, in the midst of the void, in the midst of, of the darkness, in the midst of the chaos. Nothing can prevent your God from moving. And I've come to tell everyone listening to this podcast today is that God can still use you. There's things that we're going to be talking about on this on this podcast, things that the, the, the mysteries of the kingdom, the mysteries of the text on why God would use these types of people to fulfill his plan and his mission in the earth. But we see in Genesis chapter one, verse one and two, we see the foundation that God likes using things that you don't understand. You say, why me? Why not you? He, you bring a list to him and say, God, you can't use me. And he throws the list back at us and says, no, I got a plan for you. All we have to do is yield to this sovereign God who could bring something good out of nothing, who could bring something powerful out of something painful, that everything in your life that you think is an antagonist, he could actually use it to catapult you and bring you to another level. Wherever you are, I want to pray for you right now. And I'm going to pray that the hand of God will come down on your, on your chaos, on your void, on your darkness, and on your dirt. And that somehow he would lift you up and bring a miracle. And that if you're in any of those situations, I want to encourage you that there's a new beginning, that there's a transformation that's coming. And what you're going through right now is the raw material for a turnaround. Lord Jesus, I pray over every person that's listening to this podcast right now. I pray that you would open the windows of heaven over them. God, there's somebody that's been going through a dark valley, but God, as David walked through the valley, he found out that thou art with him. He found out your presence while he was in the darkness of a valley. And somewhere while he was walking through the valley of the shadow of death, somehow the the shadow of death turned into the shadow of the almighty that the shadow of death that provoked fear and anxiety somewhere he discovered your presence and it turned into the shadow of the almighty it it, it turned into a place of peace and comfort and he knew you're with them that that you were just preparing a table before him in the presence of his enemies god i'm asking for you to prepare a table before your people right now I'm asking for you that anybody that's empty, God, I'm asking for your spirit to come down and fill them. Anybody that's been in a dark place, God, mentally, that's been battling, that's been struggling, not knowing if they're valuable, God, remind them through this episode right now that, that they have a value in God, that you're going to find them in the dark. And as the writer said, that the people set in great darkness, and, in, and as the people set in great darkness, that light has sprung up. God, let light spring up in their dark place and turn the situation around. Let light spring up in the dirtiness. Somebody may be listening with a prison background. God, you're able to redeem the time. Somebody may be listening, oh God, that, that, that has made some mistakes and they're suffering consequences from the mistakes. God, you can redeem the time. And I'm asking for you to redeem somebody that's listening right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.